Let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, ruler of this vast universe, created all with the speaking of a word, and yet has promised to be here this morning because more than two or three have gathered in your name. Father, we pray that in spite of the weakness of your servant, Lord, that you would be able to speak to us through your spirit in each and every one of our hearts, and that it would be a word that would not only um, educate, but more important, edify and transform and change us through the power of your spirit. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I would invite you to uh, turn with me to first, um, the first letter of Peter, chapter 4. That's First Peter, chapter 4. And uh, we can start reading from, from verse uh, 8, or maybe in verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer, and above all things have fervent charity among yourselves, a fervent charity among yourselves. For charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel together for prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we have this opportunity in this moment of quietness now to gather in thy house to worship thee, to hear from thy word and to, more importantly, hear the speaking of that still small voice, the Holy Spirit of God, as he would remind us and instruct us in all things and encourage us perhaps where we have become lax. Heavenly Father, help us to have that fervent charity that we've just read about that as thou dost tell thy disciples, it will be by the love that we show one to another that the world will know that we belong to thee, Lord Jesus. Be with us now, Heavenly Father, as we would look into thy word. Be with those that could not gather with us today, whether um, constrained by reasons of health or things beyond their control. Dear Lord, be with them and bless them, even though they could not be with us in this, in this building. Be with our brethren and friends that are gathered in Richmond Hill for the joyous occasion of uh, two souls, two young souls being welcomed into the family of Christ. And Heavenly Father, as 
even at this moment, that they are gathered together and uh, thy, thy word is being preached. We pray that many more souls would be gathered unto thee, that those that are struggling or sitting on the fence, those that are still, as the word says, halting between two opinions, stumbling back and forth, would realize how little the world has to offer and how much thou dost offer in return. Dear Lord, help them to seek thee early as these two young souls have chosen to do so and in so doing find the blessedness of a life spent in service unto thee. And not only that, but the joy and the hope of a better world to come that is no longer touched by pain or infirmity, old age or difficulty. Dear Lord, be with them as, as they would continue this day with thee. Be with our brother as he would speak to us from thy word this morning. Grant him words from thee, dear Lord, to speak directly to our hearts that we would understand and remember the message that we hear this morning and that more than even remembering that we would put into practice the things that we have heard through the power of thy spirit that is able to work in the lives of every believer. Heavenly Father, for those also here that have not yet chosen to surrender all, help them to surrender whatever foolish pride is holding them back and to look to thee, dear Lord, the one who offers so much and only uh, requires that we admit our need of thee. Be with us now, dear Lord, and bless us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, it was a few weeks uh, ago, I think it was before we went to Israel, the Lord laid on my heart to uh, look into all the one another's in Scripture. And there, there were many. And uh, starting with, uh, I forget the exact count, there was at least 15 times that Jesus gave his one command, his command that we love one another as Christ loved the church. And we know that Jesus said that, that there's only two commands necessary and that all other commands are derivative. They, they hang, they, they derive from those two commands, to, to love God with all our heart, mind, and strength, and to love one and love each other uh, and uh, as much as ourselves. And even those are connected because John explains that you can't say that you love God if you don't love your brother. Uh, so really, if we have the one um, thing that loving God, we have to love one another. But the Bible, you know, even though it all hangs together, it's very consistent. If we have this one thing, love God, end of story, we could, you know, say we don't need any more. But the Bible knows that you and I sometimes need a little bit of elaboration to, to clarify what does love look like. In fact, it wasn't enough that the word was given to us. We had the word come down and become flesh actually enter into this world and suffer and be born in poverty in a cave and come out of a cave at the end having suffered unspeakable cruelties rejection and the weight of my sin but to to be tempted in all ways like we are and yet without sin so we can know what does it look like to love God and love each other. Now, these loving one another's, there were a lot of them, and I, I, I kind of read through a number of them, but I think we need to spend a little more time understanding what does it look like? 
We understand we have Christ's example. And, um, but we're not all like Jesus. We're all gifted uniquely. <clears throat> and so in this passage we read together, it says there's another one another, not only the using hospitality one to another, but it says, um, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. A manifold's an old word, and maybe it obscures it for some of us, but manifold, many-folded, many-faceted, that the grace, there is one gift, there's the gift that each one of you received, but that one gift manifests itself in many different ways. And so each one of you is unique, and yet you have one gift. You have one gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you, but that comes out in a unique way that God has created you, and he's not only created you, but he has actually come into you and works through you and uses you as an extension of Jesus, because although Jesus the head has left the planet, you have not. And you are here to be an extension of Christ's body on earth. And that body, as he explains in detail in 1 Corinthians 12, he goes into how we're all different, unique members of this body. So none of us can really be Christ on our own. None of us can, we read together in Ephesians 4, just a few weeks before that, how you know, growing up into the stature, into the, to be like Jesus is our goal, but it's nothing, not I can't accomplish that, you can't accomplish that, only we can accomplish that. And we're enabled, we're gifted, but in a unique ways that are complementary. So we see here, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So again, people get thrown by the word minister. We think, oh, minister, that means the people on this side of the pulpit. But that's not what it, the word is. The word is actually servant. Um, so, and so if we would replace the word servant, even so, each one of us should serve one another as you have been uniquely enabled to by God's indwelling presence. And then he gives some concrete examples, right? Sometimes it does involve speaking, but beware. You know, speaking is something that uh, can easily go to someone's head. You know, you're up in front, uh, you're speaking, uh, you know, people are looking at you and as if you're imparting words of wisdom, but be careful. It's actually here, when it talks about speaking, it's almost a warning, and, and that's not unique to this passage. James also says that, you know, whoever, um, whoever teaches, you know, be aware because you'll receive the greater condemnation. You'll be held to account to a higher standard. And here it's saying, if you're speaking, better not be you that's speaking. Better not be your words. You better not be your agenda. Better not be your um, thinking that's coming out because you need to speak as the oracles of God, as um, speaking on behalf of God. An oracle is someone who is just a mouthpiece for God, that God is speaking through. 
And that's the responsibility of those who speak to the church is to make sure they're empty of them, their own will, agenda. And, and that's why it's really sad. And I remember, you know, stories that my parents would tell me about, you know, times where the pulpit was used as some sort of, um, you know, you could tell whoever's preaching, they've got an axe to grind or they're trying to push a certain point or they're trying to get their idea across of the way things should go. And that, that is something that is, you really will be held to account by God, right? To abuse that position for your agenda and, you know, to speak on behalf of God, but it's your own thoughts, that's something very serious and we'll have to answer to God for. The next one becomes more general, right? It says, if any man minister or serve again, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth. So we have something general, and if there's a general purpose. Why are we doing this? You know, um, is it to, you know, be better than or to show off? What God's, I mean, Corinthians had a big problem with that. There was a lot of show-offs in, in, in Corinth. It seemed to be their culture. There was like, there's all this comparison, as we heard last week going on. And, you know, oh, Paul, you know, he's, he's, you know, he doesn't speak as well as I do. And, uh, and, and there was even some satire or, or sarcasm as Paul's kind of saying, hey, you know, you really... I'm the one who laid the foundation and you're coming into, you know, something I've already started and you're trying to kick me out and say you speak better than I do. Anyways, there's a lot of this stuff can happen and that's why we have to be careful. Even if you're using the gift, okay, there, there's multiple problems. One problem is people don't use the gift, right? They just take it and as the Bible says, you bury it, right? And say, you know, well, you know, it, it was a bonus it was a gift, and so you know, I don't, you know, I don't need to. Um, uh, the, we we all know the parable about the talents. How you know the one guy said, "Well, you know, you're reaping where you're trying to take advantage. You're uh, you're reaping where you didn't sow, and you know, I, I'm going to give you back what's yours." And, and if you ever read that parable, it's kind of like a bit shocking how God responds. He says you know he's going to go where the weeping and basically sending him to hell for what you know he was a christian and he did his you know he kept it he didn't lose the gift but because he didn't use it he got really really harsh punishment so sometimes we think sins of omission are not so bad you know i didn't do something wrong i just didn't do something god wanted me to do but God actually takes it seriously because when, when we're missing in action, you know, it, it, it matters. We can't do this alone. And God gave you that specific gift because the body needs it, not just so you could sit on it, not just so you can get credit for it. It's so that God in all things be glorified through Jesus Christ and so that the body is edified um, and there's a bunch of different passages. I, I've counted about five or six other ones that talked about how edify one another, minister to one another. 
And so when we don't do that, we all suffer. So, you know, a minor illustration. There's a, a man sitting on his front porch and he sees, he's, he's on a state, uh, you know, highway there, route going past him and along comes a work truck, right? And out comes, you know, uh, one of the workmen with a shovel, he digs a hole, right? Finish digging the hole, goes back in the truck, another guy comes out and he fills in the hole. And then they go another 20 paces, same thing happens. What's the point of this, right? You know, so he goes out to the truck, says, what, what are you guys doing? He says, oh, this is a highway beautification project. We're planting trees. Uh, but, but the guy who did like the part where he planted the trees, he, he's sick today. So <laughs> we, we can kind of see how essential that role is. You know, otherwise we're getting net zero done here, right? Digging holes and filling it back in. But in the church too, you know, you may think you have just a minor role in the church, and it may not be the speaking role, and it doesn't have to be the speaking role. But if you're not doing your role, the whole thing doesn't work, right? Um, and we had some, some pointed questions uh, last, last um Sunday that were, were given to us and I really appreciate you know the brother having the courage to you know maybe break the fourth wall a bit and and not just um, speak what the Word of God has to say but to apply it to us today in ways that maybe make us squirm a little bit because the Word of God is a sharp sword and it does cut and exposes things and it needs to because another one of these one another's and I think we'll probably spend a lot more time on this on another time is is to admonish one another even in music you know was a means to encourage and admonish one another so the the question we were asked was um, why does it seem again I, I don't remember the exact words it was very well put but the gist of it that I can remember was, you know, that, that we're only a body when we're here in this place on Sunday. And Monday to Saturday, this Apostolic Christian Church of Weston Road doesn't seem to function as a body. And, and I thought that was a very challenging question. You know, I, we're busy people and we try to you know, fit a lot in and maybe we, you know, minimize, you know, our commitments here so we can follow through another commitment. But, you know, this isn't just another one of our many commitments that we can kind of fit slot into our busy lives. This is the goal of glorifying Jesus Christ uh, glorifying God through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion for and ever and ever. Amen. This is the purpose. And while, you know, it's good that I provide for my family. If I don't, I'm worse than an infidel. It's good that, you know, I, I you know, do a lot of things that I need to as a responsible adult and husband and father and, and worker. But if in the end, 
the body of Christ, Jesus isn't being represented because my tree planting's not being done. You know, the fact that, you know, my family got fed is not going to matter as much in eternity because, you know, my family's margin of eating and not eating isn't nearly as thin as the margin of God being glorified and this body being edified is. I guess probably that's reflected on the size of my stomach, but um, we, we, we really need to focus on that. Um, Hebrews has another one another here that talks about how how we need to actually see each other and connect with each other in order to make that happen. You know, and you probably already know where I'm going with Hebrews chapter 10, right? Where it, uh, uh, I'm looking at uh, verse 24. I'll start with 23. Uh, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise, and let us consider one another. Here's another one another. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now, I think we spend a lot of time uh, looking at societal trends. It's kind of in your face everywhere. And I don't think there's anyone here who can deny that the day is coming. Uh, that we're a lot closer to the day that God returns at the rate of ungodliness and, you know, the stuff that's being shoved down our throats, uh, education system, political system, you know, it's every facet of society is becoming pervasive. So we know the day is coming. So we can sit here and, and you know, bemoan that fact. We can get angry at... Uh, you know, the pawns of Satan who are pushing a destructive agenda. We can, uh, you know, maybe write memes and be sarcastic and, and, and mock these trends that are happening. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, yeah, you are going to see the end coming. And what should your response be? Your response is to provoke and exhort. What does that mean, exhort? It's an old English word, right? It's talking about we need to say, hey, I need you. I need you to get in the game, to get involved and apply the gift in the unique facet he's given you because we need to get active as Christ's body. The day is coming. I need to provoke you. I need to actually get it's almost recognizing that, you know, there's this inertia that we kind of, as we get the resistance of the world and our flesh and the devil, as, as it slows us down, as we get dragged down with all the messaging and the weakness of our own flesh, we need a push. We need to, to get out of that rut and get out of our comfortable zone and get onto the playing field from the spectator stands because the day is coming 
our opportunity to be Jesus on this day, the 28th of May, 2023, you know, one, more than a quarter of the day is gone. And, and your opportunity to be Jesus as a body is moving away and won't come back. And the number of days are fixed. The window is closing. And, you know, the, the, the increased confusion and lies uh, that this world is absorbing also is, you know, means we need to get more involved because the time is short when people will actually be able to listen. Well, they'll be able to remember there was a time where there were some kind of godly values that they actually had ingrained in them, right? You know, th th that time is going away. You know, I can remember that, but, you know, can my kids, can my the young kids growing up, can they actually, you know, remember a godly framework, right? It's, it's, it's the windows. And so that's why we need to get involved. Uh, and I know I've mentioned this before, but, um, you know, we, we call silly as a goose, but they're actually very wise in their own ways. You, you hear them, you know, going overhead and they're honking away and, there's actually a design to all of that, though, that V formation, that there's, there's one person up front who's kind of breaking the air resistance, and the other ones are kind of drafting behind them, just like you do in a peloton on the bike, right? And, and they're actually benefiting from that, and, uh, and they rotate because they recognize the guy in front is gonna get tired. And so they take turns, and the ones in the back are, are honking, not to say, get out of my way, because that would be counterproductive. They're honking to say, keep it up, they're encouraging. And if anyone drops out because they get injured, to you know, go down with him so that they're not alone, and that they, they because that injured one's not gonna be able to fly as well, even when they start to recovering. So they know they can't do it alone. They don't, can't say, oh well, you know, yeah, see ya. Uh, hopefully you make it, um, but we got to be careful that in our Christian lives we don't do that. Okay, that person's struggling. You know, I hope he makes it. You know, I, I you know maybe I'll say a prayer. But do I apply the gift that God has given me? And that is going to be unique. I'm not saying it's always going to be. Did I preach a sermon on it? But maybe you have a unique gift that's gonna be able to reach that person. You have a relationship, you have an interest, you have um, something that God can use to go and encourage the person who is wounded, who's falling out of formation, who is struggling, and if they're alone, they're not gonna make it. And God has designed geese to teach us a lesson because we are a body that depends on each other. And we need to give up going with the big group and, you know, break off and help where we see that there's actual need. And what we saw here is that this exhortation based on this closing window, this actually happens when we're together. Imagine that. When we see each other, it's a lot easier to encourage and provoke each other to love and good works and to uh, so much the more as the day is approaching when we actually see each other. There's value to assembling ourselves together. 
It's not just another thing to throw in the schedule and say, you know what, I'm only sitting in the pews anyways. My time might be more effectively used doing something else. Well, I mean, I'm open and, and we can certainly talk about how we can more effectively use our time together. Maybe, you know, this format isn't the most effective for everything, but we need to be together. Going home and getting more involved in our hobbies or our pastimes is not going to build the church. I know we have responsibilities. I have lots of responsibilities too. And I don't use my time the most effectively. I'll, I'll admit that. But we need each other. And we need to actually get together. And it's more difficult for some than others. We live in a big city. I understand that. But unless we use our God-given abilities and we actually connect, and you know what? Maybe you can do that during the week. And that's what, you know, Brother Eric was provoking us to think about. How are you going to encourage the body Monday to Saturday? You know, Wednesday's a great opportunity, but that's not the only opportunity. God's given you a gift that you can apply as a part of your regular life. You know, whether, you know, we read about using hospitality one to another, that, that's one way. We had Brother Chris Ritzman come here and give us a, a message how God was speaking to him about that. And we have certainly lots in our people in our church that are gifted that way. But, you know, maybe even, you know, I'm, I appreciate, you know, Brother Mila gave me a call this week, right? And he calls me up, you know, and talks about, you know, what uh, I'm doing and, you know, what, 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 how we're fulfilling God's purpose and whatever. You know, and it's just an encouragement because he cares, he makes the effort, and he lifts you up. You know, it's that, that honk. Edmund, keep going. Don't drop out, right? And, you know, yeah, sometimes those in leadership face a little bit more headwinds, right? And they might need more encouragement. Sometimes they're aware of painful things that are really discouraging them, and, and they might need a little bit more lifting up. But that's a gift that, you know, my brother Mila has that I appreciate. And that's... You know, he said, oh, I'm not good at anything. I get sweaty palms every time I stand up even to give greetings. And, you know, I can't speak. And, but God has gifted him uniquely. And God has gifted you uniquely. And so I want to challenge you to, to think about what has God enabled me to do that is going to help this body, that is going to encourage and meet needs. This isn't, this is again one of those pointed questions that isn't just a, you know, you know, um, whatever, uh, you know, a question that, that you know, um, you can see I, I obviously need some help here, but, you know, I want you actually to answer the question. It's not something just to, to, to make it sound good. Please think about the question. Think about you and what the gift has been manifested in your life and what you can do. Because this body is just not going to work well without you. 
It's not. It's not designed to. God gave you some essential part, and we read that in Ephesians 4, that the, the, the effective working of every part of the body is required for this body to grow. And, and that goes even for you, my friend, who is still hesitating to commit yourself to Christ, who's still waiting. Please, the time is short, and we need you. You need the Lord. You need to be ready because the time is short. We don't know what's going to happen. And, and we've had so many funerals. And some of them have been ones we've expected. As Some of them have been abrupt and not people we've expected. And we want there to be a vibrant faith for when it's your turn to put your shoulder to the wheel. And if you've been hesitating in committing yourself, there's a cost to that. God has put you in a place for a reason. So please, don't let Satan use whatever excuse to sideline you, because that's his strategy for each one of us. He's got a unique, you have a unique gift, and Satan has a unique strategy to keep you from using that gift, right? It's tailor-made. And he knows what is the easiest way or the most effective way to keep you from assembling together, from connecting, from meeting needs, from having tendon and joint and marrow all come together to make this effective working. And you've got your own way of, you know, whether you know, some people might be susceptible to discouragement, to, you know, resentment, to... You know, they've got circumstances in their life. They've got health concerns, financial concerns, you know, practical things that whatever, God has, his un God has a way for you to overcome that. And his gift is not going to be blocked by that. It's Satan that's trying to keep you. And you've got to recognize who it is that's trying to keep you isolated because he's afraid. Because Satan knows that if this body of Christ works together and lets the Spirit work through it, then nothing can stop Jesus. Death's bars didn't stop him. The stone didn't stop him. We're, we're in Jerusalem. We're, we're looking across the Kidron Valley from, from the um, Mount of Olives, and there's this gate, right? It's the eastern gate. It's the one that an Old Testament is prophesied that the Messiah is going to come through this gate, right? And uh, the Muslims, they have a strategy. We're not going to let the Messiah come to the Temple Mount. We've blocked it off. There are solid bricks there. Do you think that's going to keep Jesus from breaking through that gate when the day comes? No, it's laughable. But we need to make sure that those blocks of whatever it is, that are distracting you and keeping you sidelined don't keep you from being a part of Jesus's return his glorious return when he will come in victory because if we are a part of that body the gates of hell themselves cannot stand much less those puny bricks I just want to leave you with that one question to think about how can God use you 
and the gift he's given you to build up this body. We need each and every one of us. With that, I'd like to conclude this afternoon, this morning's service. Would her brother please select a hymn? We have visitors. Hymn number 95, 95.
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity that we can come to your house of worship this morning and throughout this day. Um, please bless this message this, this morning, uh, the message of the body and how we each, each and every one of us are part of this body and we, we play a unique role within it. Lord, as we um, ponder on this message, as we leave today, um, that we would uh, continue to reflect in, 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 in our lives and find ways where we can um, help the body, support the body, in whatever unique ways that uh, you show to us. Um, please bless the rest of this day and our conversations, Lord, that uh, they'd be wholesome to you. And as we think of, of those, uh, uh, the converts being baptized in Richmond Hill, Lord, that we ask that you would bless their lives and continue to uh, strengthen them and encourage them as well. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would a brother please select a concluding hymn? Hymn number 37, the first two verses. 37, the first two verses. We've received an important reminder, I believe, 
of the part each one of us can play in the body of Christ. Brother Eben mentioned that it seems the punishment that the one who buried his talent received was out of measure with his actions. What's the big deal? He, he didn't lose anything, isn't that? Something at least okay? But he didn't do what was expected of him. And I got thinking about my own life, and perhaps you can relate to this as well. What keeps us from using our talent? What makes us bury our talent, as it were? I think one thing that I've identified, and it was touched on in the first verse that Brother Edmund read, 1 Peter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be sober, be therefore sober, and watch unto prayer. I think the reason that we're not more effective for the Lord and the reason perhaps that we bury our talent is because we don't really believe in eternity. we really think that we're going to be here forever. If we really believed that there was an eternity to come, really believed it, practically, what would our investments of our time and money look like? Would we be doing 10% for the Lord, 90% for us? Would it be maybe 50-50? You know, what was the fire that was lit under those servants who doubled their Lord's investment? They knew he was coming back, and there was an expectation there. How much do we really care for those around us? Are we concerned that our friends, neighbors, co-workers, family members may be slipping away to an eternity separated from God. Is that a real thing in our mind? I say that for myself. So don't think I'm pointing fingers at you. How much do I love other people? How concerned am I for my own children and the decisions that they will make? How much effort do I put into steering them in the right ways and being a good example? The Lord's coming is at hand. We say that. But do we believe it? If we believe it, I think we would look for every opportunity, any little opportunity for some sort of a profit for the kingdom of God that we know will never be lost. Because everything down here here will be consumed with fire. We know that as well. But would others that look at our lives draw the conclusion that we really believe those things based on how we spend our time and resources? I think I deprive myself of a fair bit of good worrying about the things down here instead of being concerned for the things that will go on to eternity. Sunday mornings we have a tradition 
My wife, of course, comes from Mansfield. You all know that. They have a radio program that's been going for some 50 years, a half-hour radio program every Sunday morning. You can tune in online or even listen through the church website. There was an older brother who had a talk this morning, and he mentioned how he's now in his 70th year, 70th dec- or seventh decade, 70, he's in his 70s. And he said, as time goes by, it seems to speed up. And he said, I don't know why that is. Time's passing no more quickly than it was 100 years ago. In fact, scientifically, he said, the Earth's rotation is actually slowing. Slightly, just by fractions of a second. And so we're having more time in our days than we used to. But I think as eternity comes into sharper focus, it should, for each one of us, inform how we spend our time and what we do, whether we encourage or tear down, whether we build for the kingdom, invest for the kingdom, seek profit for the kingdom, or instead build, invest, and profit down here, which we won't take with us. I think we all know that. Brother Edmund mentioned a number of funerals that we've had in the last little while, and we were reminded again last night at Proving in Richmond Hill that this is the first baptism that Brother Mike Palanaki didn't attend. He's gone. One day we will be two, and then there will be a reckoning. Let's be careful that there are no regrets, that we're not found out in that day as one who simply buried his talent thinking that was good enough. The Lord has much more in mind for us. The life of abundance is one characterized by a life lived for him. And then on top of that, a heavenly reward. May we all seek for that blessed day. Amen. This concludes our service.